Today's episode is sponsored by True Classic. Guys, let's talk about t-shirts. Finding that perfect fitting shirt can be terrible. I swear the thing is either way too tight, has a case of bacon neck, or is just plain big and boxy. Luckily, True Classic wants to make every man look good and feel good. Tighter fit in the chest and sleeves to make your arms pop and room in the torso to keep things cozy. I'm telling you, all of their styles are super soft and at a great price for what you're getting. So guys, there's no excuse. Get rid of those ratty t-shirts I know you've been hanging on to for years and get ready to upgrade. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on a certain body type. Think skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers and there's nothing wrong with that. My dudes, it's simple. You're wearing the wrong clothes. We have an exclusive deal for our listeners. We want to hook you up with some true classic. For a limited time only, get 25% off with code DOINK at trueclassic.com. That's 25% off with code DOINK at trueclassic.com. The last sponsor of the day is BetterHelp. Hey everyone, you know Brennan and Eric take football very seriously, but there's something we should be taking even more seriously, and that is your mental health. Some people think you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that could not be further from the truth. With BetterHelp, you have access to over 20,000 licensed therapists. It's not crisis line, it's not self-help, it's professional therapy done securely online. One of the biggest advantages of BetterHelp is how quickly you can start talking to a licensed professional. If you have looked for a therapist in the area, you can you know it's, it can even take weeks or even months just to find someone that you're comfortable talking to. With BetterHelp, it can take as little as 48 hours and it's easy to change therapists if needed. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year, so get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash podcast. And we want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Double Dog Podcast. My name is Brendan Deke. Thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and read the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. I have a really cool episode for you coming today. Really cool guest with me. I have New York Jets defensive lineman Nathan Shepard with me. Nathan, how are we doing? Great, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. So we were talking before the episode, and the reason why I wanted to speak to you um, is you were actually born and raised in Ajax, Ontario, where I am from. That's my hometown. So, Nathan, I got to ask first, when was the last time you've been back to Ajax? Probably uh, shoot before COVID, most likely. Okay. So, like, 2019-ish area? More or less, yeah. How many uh, How many bags of all-dressed ruffle chips did you bring back with you? Did you smuggle back that time? Okay. So, funny, funny story. Uh, my birthday is in October. Guess what I got? For my teammates, Ruffles all dressed. Okay, yeah. We got two big, two big like party bag, uh Ruffles all dressed and end up like giving around the locker room and like everyone loved it. So October, my birthday, that's the last time I had some. <laughs> I was actually gonna ask you about it because I saw an interview with uh I don't know if you saw this, Chuba Hubbard was uh kind of went viral on the internet. He was he smuggled a bunch of like ketchup chips i think he had crunchy bars oh. last time he was in Canada, he brought them back to panthers players and I, I can't remember who the panther player was he gave him ketchup chips and they loved it and i was like man not ketchup, like all dress is the way to go if it's gonna be a canadian snack it's the all it's dress. gotta be all dressed yeah. yeah so i brought that to the locker room everyone loved them guys were trying to order them for themselves <laughs> so i'm glad glad to press that on what um one more Ajax question for you before we move on? When uh, do you tell people you're from Ajax, or you say Toronto? I say Toronto because people say, "Well, where's Ajax?" And I'm yeah. just like, "Well, you know, a little bit outside of Toronto." And then 
All right, it's Toronto. <laughs> what's the, what's the most you miss about Ajax? Like, is there a food place you miss? I guess family is probably the number one. But like, give me something that you remember about the about our hometown. Shoot, family probably definitely for sure. Um, I mean, I guess being close to like Lake Ontario. Yeah, you know, being able to go down to the lake definitely enjoyed that. So that's probably it. Okay, I want to talk about your youth football career because you played for the Ajax Pickering Dolphins, which is a youth organization um, I played for. I've also coached there when I was a kid. What was your experience life uh, experience like playing youth football um, around the Toronto area? And I guess what was um, what was your experience like, and kind of what did you take away from it? I mean, it was pretty good. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> like shoot, our coach, I guess our defensive coordinator, coach uh, Tony McIntosh. She's not doing it anymore. But no, he was definitely like a big part for the Dolphins organizations uh, growing up. But it just kind of gave you your first um, like unit or com- or football community, you know. And when guys went off to play in, in high school and college, you kind of like followed their careers. But everyone was like pushing. You got to see everyone else like, hey, we're all pushing for, you know, to strive to get as much as far as we can in football as possible. So just like having that unity of like guys that you played with and then being like, hey, Let's kind of push each other because we're all on the same thing. What do you think the biggest challenge is for kids that have to play youth football, I guess, in in the Toronto area or anywhere in Canada? Because, look, like I, the coaching I, – I when I played for Durham Dolphins or Ajax Picking Dolphins, sorry, the coaching was good, but we can both agree that the coaching is probably better when you go mm-hmm. in the States. You get, you get more reps. You get mm-hmm. better minds at it. Like, do you think it's uh, – do you think it's maybe just like – a, a disservice to to players in Canada, I guess, youth football players in Canada, I guess, towards playing in America? I would say, like, one of the biggest challenges is that, I mean, that I've seen uh, being in America now since, you know, um, I came to Fort Hayes, um, would just be just how much more developed and how much more resources are devoted to youth football in the U.S. compared to, you know, Canada. Canada, okay. You have more resources for I mean, basketball and hockey, but it's not as developed with football. So, like when you, if you do have the you know pleasure opportunity to come to the U.S., it's kind of like a huge eye opener. And then it's like, wow, I'm really in a program. Wow, this is how it's run, so on and so forth. And there's 500 other kids that are like you, and you're the star in Canada. And then there's like 500 other kids mm-hmm. kind of exactly like you in the state. So I want to jump into kind of get let's. Uh, transition kind of further deeper into your career um you played two years at simon fraser university in british columbia um and then you left you started um you dropped out you started working some jobs to kind of save some money um mm-hmm. and, and kind of maybe save for your future nfl career future football career mm-hmm. while you were doing that um nathan you met nate burleson at a nightclub oh, while, yeah. you're bouncing down to, uh, while you're bouncing at a club in british columbia this story kind of went viral on the internet. I want my listeners to kind of grab this story too. Kind of explain that interaction and what happened when you met Nate Burleson at the nightclub you're about to know. So that was crazy. It was uh, downtown Vancouver. It was a uh, Piers Champagne Lounge. Um, the owner of the establishment, his name is Peter. He was friends with Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson was, he was saying, hey, I got some uh, football players coming in. Basically, he was like, look, kind of not necessarily take the night off, but just like keep an eye on them, have fun make sure they have a good time and no one's bothering them and stuff like that. Nate and I ended up getting to talking and stuff like that and just kind of shared in my situation where I was, I was at Simon Frazier uh, at the time. And it was actually really cool. Cause I'm like, this guy's here like to enjoy his friends and here is, he's talking to me mm-hmm. and he was just like, you know, saying basically, you know, you just got to give it your all, whatever happens. You know what I mean? He was the first one 
one of the first people I ever remember saying like, oh man, you're gonna get drafted one day. And he like gave me a hundred dollar bill at the end of the night and said like, here's an advance, you know? So that was, that was amazing. You end up giving that hundred dollar bill back to him on NFL game day morning, right? I don't think it was the exact same bill. Yeah. <laughs> that one, but more or less, yeah. You gave him another hundred, you gave exactly. him Exactly, it was just, I wanted him to know um, that I like I didn't forget that and yeah. how much that meant to me in that time of my life one especially going through that transition and then to see someone who had made it and was like on the other side like kind of like reaching through it was like this is like a very surreal moment and it kind of like connected two different worlds for me okay so you end up going to Fort Hayes State University in Kansas mm -hmm. um, after after you dropped out of Simon Fraser how did mm -hmm. that all come together explain that process so um, I had uh, let's see gone back home to Toronto um, working working out things like that uh, I was looking for like where I could go to school I was looking at some d1 AA programs um, but because like how d1 NCAA rules are it was like my uh, clock was still running, so I was like, shoot, if I go to D1 school, I might, I'm not going to have that much eligibility left, not enough to, you know, uh, get to where I want to be as a player and as a student athlete. So basically, I was like, let me look at some D2 schools because I had more eligibility. Um, and then I was looking at schools in the MIAA, um, Fort Hayes. They looked like they were coming up, and then also they had – they were graduating like four senior defensive linemen. So I was like, you know what? This is a great opportunity for me to come in yeah. and, um, you know, kind of just get some playing time and things like that, trying to earn a scholarship. You were able to dominate right out the gate, man. How I, how, how does a kid that didn't play football for years just slot in and just end up balling out right away? Like, what, what, was, your, what was your training process like, I guess, before that? So, I mean, I was training every day I could um, back in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely a lot more weight room and, and base for sure. Yeah. So I was trying to just like, you know, add some strength, add some size. Definitely. I also made it a point to come in during the uh, spring semester just because I knew that there was going to be a difference. I knew that there was going to yeah, be like some sort of shock to, to my system. It definitely was. I was probably I was probably one of the hardest uh, semesters, like was my spring semester, just getting used to everything and uh, just getting back to being conditioned and playing at at, um, at football speed. So that was a huge challenge. But then after that, um, things started to fall into place. But I, I made a, made sure that I was going to – I stayed throughout the summer also. That's cool. Basically from, what, January or, like, second semester up until football season, I was there the whole time. I'm guessing the barbecue was a lot better in Kansas than Toronto and Ajax? Oh, they had some good barbecue. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. They have some great barbecue. Also, um, Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest was another um, great thing I got to experience out in Kansas. So it was really cool. Okay, Nathan, talk to me about draft night. You get drafted third round, 72nd overall from Division II, Fort, um, like we talked about, from Fort Hayes State, Kansas University. Really cool, like just an underdog story. Tell me how the night was for you and your family. Uh, it was phenomenal, man. It was just – it was uh, very surreal. It's kind of just – my favorite part, honestly, was just like kind of like an excuse to get the family together, you know, just something random that happens once in a lifetime. And it's like, all right, everyone you've known your entire life or 
not in your entire life, but people you hold close to you, they know you play football. They've known over the years and stuff like that. They know you, you know, went to college, things like that, all that. So it was kind of really cool just to like have your whole family together um, for that moment. Did you, uh, where did you expect to go? Did you think you were going to go in that, in that area? I really had no, I really had no clue. What was the first thing you bought with that rookie contract? First thing I bought with that rookie contract, I have to see. I think my first like big purchase was probably I got a 2018 Chevy Silverado. Nice, nice. So yeah, that's cool. So um, you uh right now Nathan, you're playing some great football. You got your first sack of the season um last week. What what do you think's clicked for you this year? You're playing extremely well for a guy that again that's kind of had such an underdog career and, and been meant to New York just drafted in 2017. Now you're here in 2022, still playing well for a team that's like spent a lot of resources, defensive line. Um, well, how have you been able to kind of stay a boat, stay afloat and um, continue to play well? Just got to stay ready. You know, you never know when your number is going to be called. You have little control over that, but you know, uh, I try to tell myself, you know, every week's a new week. So, Whatever good play, bad play, it's over with because you learn from it, move forward, you get another opportunity next week. Um, and, I mean, it's a grind. So, you just – you go for it. Has uh, Have you had, like, a big brother, little brother relationship with Quentin Williams? Has he been on the team? Uh, I would say, like, big brother, little brother. I think we definitely respect each other both uh, equally as professionals and just – uh, both of us see how much we we want, what we want from this game and where we want to bring the Jets. So I would say that, like, just both of our our strive, our dedication, our desire, our respect and love for the game um, kind of brings us to this uh, just level of mutual respect and just being able to help each other out. Because definitely, like, I ask him questions, he asks myself questions, and we just look at it as, hey, we're a team, we're – we're bringing this uh, organization to where we want it to be uh, week by week, but we can't do it alone. So everyone has to go ahead, uh, play their part, and get the job done. Who's the funniest player on the New York Jets, maybe besides yourself? So, and we were literally just talking about this in the lunchroom. On defense, I'm going to have to say Tenzel Smart. Okay. On offense, I'm going to actually have to say Nate Herbig. Okay. Nate Herbig, man, former Eagle. I'm an Eagles guy, so. Dude, he's, he's yeah. something else. Yeah, he's really fast, like, every day, for sure, hands down. So, um, you're, you're of course, under uh, Robert Salo as your head coach, um, one of the smartest defensive minds um, in, this, in the game right now, coached some of the best defenses this, this, um, this league has seen over the last decade in San Francisco. Um, what, have you, what have you learned from Coach Salo? Uh, coach Salo, I would say he's, uh, he's a visionary, so – um, one of the best things I think that he's done um, since he's come here is he's seen what we're experiencing right now before it happened. You know, he didn't know when it was going to happen. He doesn't know how it was going to happen necessarily. But being able to come in, uh, you know, two years ago and or, you know, this is the second season. But to be able to communicate that got that to the entire locker room during, you know, his first OTAs. Um, but not just once. It's like week in, week out, day in, day out, just to be on top of that. So it's like, you know, despite the losses we've had in previous years, you know, being able to just stay headstrong and be like, look, we're building off this. We're building off this. And sometimes it's difficult to see where you're going. 
right? But for him to be able to piece that together, and then you know what? Things start to, to mesh and wins start to come. Okay, so a couple more questions for you, Nathan. Um, team's five and three right now. You guys are um, playing the Buffalo Bills division leaders um, this week. Like you said, this team, the New York Jets organization the last couple of years has struggled to, to put some wins on the board. How do you guys kind of stay grounded, kind of put your uh, just put your face forward and eyes forward for the rest of the season? Because, again, this is five wins for this team. You were a part of the team. I think it was in 2020 that was like 0-13 um, at one point. Like, how is How are you guys kind of keeping those eyes forward and staying put together for the rest of the year? I mean, the great thing is we just have to continue doing what we've been doing. Even when uh, we were a bit less successful, uh, our attitudes have stayed the same. So honestly, having having uh, dealt with some losses, it kind of builds a certain callus. So now that we're having success, it's it doesn't feel much different because we're still approaching the game the same way we did before we were experiencing uh, some success. And I mean, Number one, that starts with like blocking out all the outside noise. You know, yeah. if it's not if it's not coming from in this building with us, it doesn't matter. So I think that's the biggest thing that helps us stay locked in, stay ahead of the game um, for for starters. And then after that, just like executing every day of practice for sure, taking it seriously because um, like we're we're on the verge of something very special, and that that means so much to everyone in this building. No, you, the defense is playing awesome. It's awesome to see. And Nathan, I got one more question for you. But before I do, I just want to congratulate you on all the success. You're a, you're a true kind of role model, I guess, for Canadian um, players around here, kids that listen to this. Um, Thank you. Right Thank now, you. They can definitely mold themselves after you. Like being a kid from Ajax and Terry, especially, man, you played at Jay Clark. Like Jay I, Clark, we used yeah. to whoop, I Pickering High, played at Pickering High. We we whooped some ass at Jay Clark. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely got, got, got ran through on that. <laughs> so to be able to kind of go from, like, where you are and where you grew up today, it's really awesome to see. You should be really – It's crazy. And you know what? Sorry, that reminds me just no. for, like, anyone else watching. Um, people might not know this, but at Jay Clark Richardson, I think I won two games my entire, like, career. Yeah. I, it was – we were bad. You know yeah. what I mean? But it's like – sometimes you got to go through that, you know, it's like, all right, if I didn't go through those losses, you know, maybe guys quit in high school, things like that. If I didn't go through those losses, how was I ever going to get to Simon Frazier? How was I ever going to get to four days? How was I ever going to get to the Jets? For sure. You know? But like the biggest part is seeing it through, you know, and learning from whatever you're going through. Yeah, like, man, I played on some, like, amazing pick and high teams, and none of the guys that I play with, like, there's some dudes that kind of fall out, didn't, didn't end up making, had the same amount of talent, didn't have the same work drive. So for you to be able to kind of stay grounded, like you said, win two games at Jay Clark in your whole entire career and make it to where you are, like, it's incredibly, incredibly motivating, incredibly cool. So congratulations on all the success there. But I do have one more question for you. I want to oh, throw a Canadian one more your way because – Canadians in the NFL locker rooms. I know there's there's some out there, but it's not a ton. Like you're 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 probably get a lot of questions about it. What's the craziest Canadian stereotype that you get in the locker room? What's some funny things that players maybe asked you about your Canadian childhood? Okay, so actually one of the strength and conditioning coaches today asked me. He's like, like what? So what's up with poutines? <laughs> like what's up with poutines? And I'll be honest, I told him like, look, I've never been a fan of poutines necessarily. Okay. You know. What I mean? I, I mean, I'm not gonna criticize it, but it was just like for me, I like my my fries crispy. Yeah, that's so yeah. But I, I'm not a, now that I think about it, like I wouldn't think of Canada like poutine as Canada. Like me I neither, just, right? Yeah. But thinks of that, and then it's like the other one would probably be 
um, like Canadian bacon. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, bacon. pardon? We got some good bacon here, that's for sure. But it's like, okay, so Canadian bacon to like uh, people in the US is just, for us, it's just ham. Okay. But they call it Canadian bacon. And I was like, what's Canadian bacon? So when I was in college, the longest time, I was like, do you guys import like pork from Canada? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> you don't make it yourself? It's like, no, Canadian bacon is just like ham, basically. Yeah. I was like, so why call it ham? Because it's Canadian bacon. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Just done with the conversation there. Yeah, that's funny. What about, what about cold? Like, do people think you can just survive any temperature? Yeah, you get that too. You're like, yeah. oh, you're from Canada, so you're used to this. I'm like, we have indoors, you know, I wear a jacket, you know, I turn the heat on, so, you know. And the accent, you don't have a, you don't have a Canadian accent at all. Like, do you ever get, is that I think it diminished over, I think it's diminished over the years slightly. But it's strange because when I go home or when I FaceTime my family and stuff like that, I can like pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> a boot um, comes out. A, yeah. Yeah. All yeah, that. I still say A all the time. It's one of the things. Like I, when I when I went to go uh, visit Philly the uh, last year, everyone's like, "You always say A." And I'm like, I actually do. Like it just, I know it's it just scary. slips out. It just slips out. New York Jets defensive lineman Nathan Shepard. Thanks so much for doing this, Ben. Really appreciate the time. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me.